Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning. What's with the rain? I don't, I, you know, I don't mind the rain, Wolf, but I don't like the rain the week the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks. I feel like that's not. I don't really? Know yeah, I, I just it feels like they get your weather out of here. Man, I have to tell you right now, it is November, is it not, my brothers? It is November. I say let it rain, man. I love the rain. And one of the reasons why we can embrace the rain and love the rain here in the basin is we know that we rarely see it. Tomorrow will be beautiful. Today, maybe not so much. It's not like it's going to hang around for a long time. That's fine. I mean, I do like the rain. I don't want you to, to misconstrue this. I just, at least not during the game on what, Sunday, who okay? Who did that one song, man? Here comes the rain again. Or what is that here? Have yeah, you ever seen the rain? The arithmetics. What, was, the rain? It, was it the arithmetics? Yeah. What? No, it's the arithmetics. I, I, the arithmetics. But I don't oh, know if yeah. that's the song. Bill <laughs> <laughs> said arithmetics. That was and you great. just went with it. You could have said anything. I totally. I she could have been like, that's right the Ron there. Wolfley Five. That was like, kind yeah. of like, that was like, that, that song had a little um, edge to it. It really did, um, only because of how she would sing it. Remember, she would sing it like, what are you going to do about it? Here comes the rain again, and I'm going to run you over. Are you sure? And yes, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree. Are you sure you're not thinking of Shaq's Can't Stop the Rain? Um, I don't know. Oh, you don't know <laughs> Cats Stop the Rain? <laughs> oh, come on. An amazing Give video. break, Luke. Shaq. Okay? It's Shaq. It's Shaq. Shaq. It's not Shaq. It's not Shaq. It is I know Shaq. that. There's it's no way it was Shaq. You've never heard Can't Stop the Rain by Shaq? Um, no, I've never heard that. All right, well, I know what we're doing during the break. Let okay, get that great. on my phone yes. as if it's not already on there. What are we talking about here in this beautiful part of the program? I don't even know anymore. Um... This is it. What was her name, man? What was her name right here? Because, like, she she had this... Listen to her. Annie Lennox? Yes! Annie Lennox. Listen to her right here. I mean, a little edge. You, you feel that? Okay, maybe not this part. It gets a little light. <laughs> <laughs> this is not real edgy, I gotta be honest. It's a little light right here, but you know what? She, if you ever watched Annie Lennox perform, too, she'd stare at you like, what are you doing? What are you going to do about it? You sure you're not thinking of I'm Only Happy When It Rains by Garbage? Maybe that's what you're thinking of. Okay, now you, you know what, honestly, now you got me thinking because I think you're probably right about But Annie Lennox had, no, okay, wait a minute, check that, strike it. <laughs> well, it's the 80s, it's the song from the 80s, so there's going to be 45 minutes before they hit the saying? chorus. What are you saying? Are you saying that what, I, I know all about the 80s? No, I'm just saying that. <laughs> is that what you're I'm saying? I'm saying this song is not going to hit the chorus okay. until the third well, hour of the show because it's from the man, 80s. Can't Save Stop yourself. the Rain this by is, Shaq. I don't have to save myself. That. I want to hear Garbages. What was it? What, what was I'm that? only happy when it rains. I'm only happy when it rains. Yeah. Um, no, that was kind of soft now that I'm thinking of it right now. But anyways, proceed. What about the, the CCR had like nine songs about the rain, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, okay, maybe we'll play those. Uh there's been a lot of talk, Wolf. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, about Cliff Kingsbury's uh, play calling abilities this year. Yeah, as first, a matter of fact, first you I've heard seen of this? that right there, yes. <laughs> okay. DeAndre Hopkins weighed in yesterday, and he was pretty straightforward with his thoughts. Like I said, I play a lot of ball, so there are a lot of things that I see. Uh, but at the same time, Cliff does a great job of calling plays and, and putting us in position. It's just on us to execute. 
Yeah, there it is to execute right there. You know what I loved about this, ladies and gentlemen? Whether you agree with D-Hop or not, and there are a lot of people out there who don't who, who, who don't agree with what DeAndre Hopkins is saying. There's a lot of people out there. And at the same time, I love the fact he knows that. <laughs> Which is exactly why I think he's saying it. He's been around. Because he's D-Hop. And he, he's like, you know, and he's, he's great at what he does. And he just deadpanned it after that. To me, I love that. That's who he is. Well, He's going to protect his own. Yeah. He may, he may even agree to some degree. He may. But you know what? You're not going to say it about my guys. That's D-Hop to me. That's who he is. I, I, I like that, man. That's, that's D-Hop, I think, stepping up for his coach who's under a lot of scrutiny. Yep. Um, that was the, the, the whole Cliff and Kyler thing on the sidelines on Thursday Night Football. I really didn't think it was a big deal, and I thought it was even less of a big deal after talking to former players like yourself and Zoe and some others. But what the one thing that stood out to me, and I said it that day, was the only thing is like Kyler knows his coach is being scrutinized, and this is on national television, and whether you're showing up your coach or not, it kind of looks like you're showing up your coach. And all these people across the country who don't watch the Cardinals are yeah. like, they just know they have a bad... See, see, they hate each other. That's, That's why the they're bad. That's the only thing they think of exactly right. That's well, the only thing they see. And, and Hopkins just isn't going to allow that to happen. Like you said, there are probably plays, I'm sure, where he's like, this is what we're running, but I right. think for the most part, I honestly I think the last thing he said is something you have said, and I've heard it from a few people, it's on us to execute. And it got me thinking, like, there are some plays Cliff calls, and I'm just like, what are you doing? But if you don't execute the plays, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to lose. You're, you're so right about that. On the tactical level, on the tactical, right? And again, strategic level says what we're going to do. Strategy says this is what we're going to do. The tactical level, based audience, it says this is how we're going to do it. And and that's where the execution part comes in. How are you going to actually execute the play? But I don't want to talk about strategy, and I don't want to talk about tactics. I want to talk about philosophy. See, this to me, philosophy first, it, it, it suddenly starts matriculating into strategy, and then the strategy into the tactics. But it starts with a philosophy right here. And listen, Cliff Kingsbury in play calling right now, if your quarterback wants a super simple system, and I'm not saying that Kyler Murray does. I'm just saying if that's what he wants and you want to play quickly, you're going to be pretty base in a lot of the calls that you make. And that's the reason why I continue to say I believe this offense needs to expand. It needs to expand. How many, I mean, for years now, you've heard me talking about it. It needs to evolve. It needs to expand. You need to expand the football universe and not contract the football universe. Well, I think what you're saying, that gets to my... I basically have two concerns with this team. I mean, there's probably more, but two main ones. And I told you one. I've, I've said multiple times this week, you got to get the plays in. Like, don't, you don't need to stop oh, yourself. Oh, yeah, for the, yeah, the play, of course. But, but the other I'm one. I'm talking about the play call. Yeah, well, that's, I was going with the other one of, yes, there are times where they run a play, and I'm like, okay, really, that play? And I can't tell you how many, I'm sure you get them too, tweets that are just like, hey, why why are they running screen plays? Like, I don't love the screen either. Oh, yeah. But, but I'm not so concerned on a specific play they're running. I'm concerned with what you're saying. What is the philosophy? Have teams figured them out? Yes. Have they hit their ceiling? Have they become too base? That's my, my my two concerns with this team. Have they become too predictable, which is a philosophy thing, and can they get the plays in from the sidelines? Everything else, yes, I get it. There are frustrating plays, but that's not why they're 3-5. and five. 
They're three and five because it looks like teams have figured out what they're going to do. Yes, but you know, once again, everyone's got to be on the same page. If you're going to go ahead and you're going to evolve the offense, everybody needs to be on the same page. And typically, that is something that needs to happen in the offseason. And that's that's the reason why I don't think we're going to see it. You know, without D-Hop, the first six weeks of the season, I was kind of thinking that we'd see a different... a different Arizona Cardinals offense that we would see um, Kyler under center a lot more, that we would see a lot more 12 personnel. You all know this. Anyone who has listened to me, you know what I was expecting to see. That never developed. It did not. And um, I, I think it, it it's one of these things that, again, it needs to happen. And maybe that's one of the reasons why play calling, people are so crazy about it. Um, it looks like from time to time the Cardinals are running seven or eight plays out on the field. Yeah, it does. It looks like the really old like Tecmo Bowl where it was just like, okay, you got two running plays and two passing plays. Which is not the case, yet at the same time, when you're always in the gun, or seemingly so, that's what it looks like. I really put, and to be fair, I put a lot more stock in what DeAndre Hopkins says than the next quote I'm going to play here. Uh, but we played Hop, right? Hop says, okay, Cliff's doing a great job of calling plays. It's on us to execute. There's some truth to that. There's a lot of truth to it. As a former player, can I tell you that? How many times have you heard me say that? Call the play, and I'll execute what it is I'm supposed to do. But Players, players, Bill Belichick, holding the ball, second winningest coach of all time, players win games. Players win games. That was just this week. It's not the play. It isn't. Do your job. Players win. Now, this is Patrick Peterson, though, and in case you missed it, Patrick Peterson has had a lot to say in the last 24 hours, and I don't even know that we're going to have time to play it all for you during the show, but this is what he said on his All Things Covered podcast when he was asked, okay, when did you know, Pat, what was coming? When you're playing defense against the Cardinals, when did you have an idea what they were going to do? At what point in that ball game, Pat P, for you, did you come into your own as in, I got them figured out. There's nothing they can do. First play. The first play. Yeah. I practiced against them guys for what? How many seasons I was with Cliff? Two years? Yeah, I think I think two. Same think two. exact stuff that I seen in, in camp and practice. Same stuff I saw on tape. Mm. So from the first play. Okay, so here's what I would say, Wolf. The Cardinals have played the Vikings twice with Patrick Peterson there, and they've put up 60 points in those two games. So if he had to figure it out in the first play, he should have executed. But the part that he says in there that worries me is the they're running the same stuff they ran when I was there for two years. That's the part that's concerning. Not so much because of Patrick Peterson, but like, do the Seahawks know what's coming on Sunday? Do the Rams know what's coming in a week? Yeah, and you know, once again, um, go out and execute for the most part. But at some point in time, you do have to evolve as an offense. You have to have um, some type of evolution offensively. And that's what I think this team needs. It's just me, but um, again, you've got to expand it, man. You do. And execution I'm a big believer in that man I really am just go out and do your job and the play will work but when you when you become too simple in the NFL now you got problems I would right, come back over to basketball there's a Western Conference team that's reportedly talking to the Nets 
and the Nets won a veteran shooter, and that Western Conference team might get Ben Simmons. Could that be the Suns? Do you want that to be the Suns? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Better? I mean, it's still not Shaq. This is better than what I imagined, yeah. Yeah, garbage. It's moody and rainy. It is kind of moody right here. Maybe this is what I was thinking of, right? Not Annie Lennox. I think you were thinking of the other song. It just, they never got to the chorus. Even though Annie Lennox would look at you from time to time like, you want to go? Um, <laughs> and she'd write a song about it. Yeah, and I'm talking about brawling, ladies and gentlemen, of course. Of course. Um, Annie Lennox, well-known brawler. Yes. Yeah. She actually used to wear a suit. Remember that, too? Yeah. Had a suit on? Yeah, man. This is back in the 80s. Go check it out. Everybody wore suits in the 80s? Everybody. Everybody. Ron Wolfley reporting. <laughs> did you wear a suit in the Not 80s? Not me. I no. was the only guy who didn't. I walked around. I was like, are you kidding me? Give me the jean jacket. It was easy to find Wolf, the only guy wearing denim in the That's, 80s. You know what? Honestly, I wish I had one right now. I think we could get that. We, we should get like a we should, denim jacket on. That'd be awesome. Get some Wolf and Luke denim jackets. <laughs> Just wear them. Walk around the newsroom and be like, what? What do you have something you want to say to us? It, man. Uh, all right, over to basketball and this tweet. Make what this of you will. Uh, Wolf, it's 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 well now it's frozen. I can't even open it. Okay, that was good though. Yeah, let me let me just get to this. Uh, shut up. NBA Central. Let me just uh, stretch for the next two hours while the internet works. <laughs> the uh, this is from NBA Central. The Brooklyn Nets had been in cursory talks with one Western Conference team about a deal that would return a veteran shooter. And Ben Simmons' name came up in those talks, and then multiple eye emojis. Okay, so cursory talks, okay. <laughs> via, via Ian Begley. That was who oh, had okay, the story. All right, yeah. so basically at a conversation. How serious that conversation was, nobody knows. Um, also, we don't know how Ben Simmons' name came up in those talks, because it could come up like this. I mean, obviously the thought here is, okay... Could that possibly be the Suns? Could yeah. Jay Crowder possibly be that guy, that that veteran that they're talking about? But it could very well have been like the Suns being like, "Hey, um, you know, we're shopping Jay. Jay's not; he didn't want to yeah. be here, and, and you know, we're ready to move forward." And Brooklyn's like, "Hey, would you take Ben Simmons off our hands?" And yeah. James Jones was like, "Click." I'd be like, "Yeah." Not only that, how about this right here? Um, listen. Uh, <laughs> Um, what's it going to take for Kevin Durant? Really, no. Let's just, what, what are you going to give me? What What is it? What's it going to take to get Kevin Durant done? Okay, and you're James Jones. Okay, all right. What, so what, what's what, it going to what take you, to get yes. James Jones? What are we going to be able to do uh, let's, here? let's see. Um, what are you going to give, give me, you Jay James? Crowder. Okay, Jay Crowder. Um, that's good. I'll probably give you a couple picks. Okay. Um, um, what do you mean, a couple of picks? Yeah, a couple that's not going to do it right now. We'll take three of your first round picks. Okay, three first okay, and, a, three. and a Jay? Okay, yeah. yeah um, okay. Jay, no, we need another player. Cam uh, Johnson? No, no. Let's go, Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. He's going to score 29 in a couple weeks. You're not getting Cam Johnson. How about Ben Simmons? You're going to make me take Ben Simmons? Yeah, exactly. I'm not You're, taking Ben Simmons. T- okay, no. see, that's how I think no, I don't want cursory de- could actually happen. <laughs> I think that's how the conversation evolved. I, I, I think what it was was probably, would you take Ben Simmons? And James Jones was like, does he still play basketball? Yes. And then they moved on to players. I know. Yeah. That's, you know, these reports that are out there, of course. If you're a general manager, aren't you going to have a conversation? Aren't you going to have a conversation about everybody in the league for the most part? 
Uh, your job is to take phone calls and to make phone calls. Pick it up and go, hey, what are you doing? You know, you you, you want to do something here? Who do you got? Who do you like? I mean, you, you, you want your pulse on the league, of course, and what is going on. And there's one way to do it, and that's to talk to your peers, your general managers that are out there. Do you think, all joking aside, they would have any interest in Ben Simmons not giving anything up? Of um, significance, because I, I, I really would, wouldn't. Would you? I, I would. Don't know yeah, that I, would. Honestly, I really don't a, think I would. Kind of as a defensive guy, it's just a, a shutdown specialist. Maybe this I, is it's, one of the few teams that would work on. I will grant you that. Like it would have to be the Suns or above. You know, Golden State. I'm sure could make it work. He just the guy just doesn't play. Yeah, you it, know what's what is weird about it though. He is a facilitator. Um, he's a guy. He's averaging seven point three assists in thirty one. Yeah, thirty-one point eight minutes. He is good defensively. He's yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking about that. He's you know six and a half rebounds a game, and I mean, this is a guy that um, is quickly becoming a dinosaur in this league. And the reason being, of course, is because he can't shoot the three. It's not that he can't. He won't even shoot. Yeah. If you watch them play, he won't shoot, and teams know he won't shoot. So you don't even need to defend them. Look, we're talking about the number one overall pick from six years ago. Yeah. And a guy who looked dominant in college, although LSU didn't even make the tournament when he was there. But if you were going to bring him into a team like this, you would have to have that conversation, like a long conversation of can we count on you to play? Can we count on you to not disrupt what's going on here? The Suns have something good. This goes back to vetting anybody you're bringing into this locker room. Just think about it, though. In six games right now, six games... This guy has not attempted a three. Yeah, he's not going to attempt. Now think about that. In this day and age right here, he's not attempted He doesn't three. attempt a lot of twos. Uh, um, he's playing almost 32 minutes a game in those six games, and he has not attempted a three. Yeah. So can you imagine? Would you want to play? Would you want to play in this day and age where you're you're a wing player and that basically is what he is out there? You're, you're going to tell me that um, you're not going to attempt a three? I wouldn't want to play either because everyone, as soon as you get it, they're all looking at you and kind of laughing as soon as you get it on the perimeter. Like, you're not going to do this. No. You're not going to shoot the ball. And we all know you're not going to shoot going the ball. He's not going to. He's a career like 14% three-point There shooter. you go. It's a mental block. I think it is with him. I think it's a total mental block with him. I wouldn't want to go out in the football field if I was afraid to hit somebody. Okay. Yeah, that'd be would a problem. Go, would you want to go? I, I would <laughs> and not everybody knew play, it. and everybody knew it, and they're all looking at you like, man, the guy's super fast. There's no doubt about it, and boy, he can run with the ball. He just won't hit anybody. And he's a linebacker. And when he, yes, exactly. <laughs> now, can you imagine no, that's a, how it's weird a that would I'd want to throw up before every game? <laughs> I'm thinking that Ben Simmons, maybe that's one of the reasons he doesn't mind being hurt. I'm not saying that he can't like turn his career around. He is very good at some things. But you mentioned the six games. Well, they've played eight, so he's already missed two games this year. He didn't play at all last year. We all know how the 2021 season ended. I think he could turn his career around, not that he's going to be a three-point shooter, but that he could get back to where he was a couple years ago. But I don't know that he can do it in Brooklyn, and I don't know that I would want him to do it in Phoenix. I don't know. The, I, I, if you pressed me to guess, I would say Phoenix wasn't the team in this uh, that they're talking about in this tweet. But it's at, least, it's at least worth noting because the Suns 
do have a veteran that they are looking to trade. And he did take one three. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. For there that. you go. <laughs> uh, real quick, James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday said it's too early to tell what this team needs. It's really, really too early. Um, we have a lot of guys that are, you know, continuing to evolve. Uh, we'll continue to monitor it and look at what's best uh, for the team. Um, but right now, I like where we are. The, th- the Jay Crowder situation now is it's really only hurting Jay Crowder. You know what I mean? The Suns, they don't yeah. have to make a trade tomorrow. They can yeah. wait till the trade deadline. If a deal comes up next week, okay, go ahead and trade them. But they're 6-1. I mean, if you, if you are a player, and again, <laughs> I guess we don't fully know the whole story, but if Jay Crowder in any way, shape, or form was like, I want this or I'm not playing, well, this isn't going well for him because they're 6-1 and one without him, so they don't need him. Yeah, and once again, it's the Phoenix Suns that I think um, don't want him in the locker room. That's weird. That's just strange. More on this as the show unfolds. I'd still take him back. So would I. 100% would take him back. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come up, uh, how crucial are the next three games for the Arizona Cardinals? We're going to ask 15-year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander in the lowdown. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. Good line, Dagger. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. All right, Zoe is here. It is Thursday. It is time for the lowdown. What's going on, man? I'm doing well. Uh, things are good. Uh, you know, obviously just talking to Wolf, uh, you know, about the weather change. It's really football season here now. Yeah. So it's like football weather outside, right? Um, yeah, things are going really good. And obviously today we're moved up 30 minutes. I'm actually a part of this organization called Baskets of Hope with Tony Dungy was uh, the spokesman for many years. And so I'm partnering with them. I've been working with them for 10 years. And what they essentially do is um, – deliver baskets to kids and their parents that are in the hospital. So Phoenix Children is normally one of our oh, big uh, uh, partners that we that we try to serve and I know hopefully moving forward we're partnering with Valley Wise as well but we got a, a, a meeting today over down at the convention center with uh, what is the Phoenix Raceways here. So we have a couple of the, the drivers, the ones that are competing. I think yeah, Joe I Gibbs, yeah. grandson, has a chance of winning the championship. So he'll be down there delivering uh, via a uh, robot to the kids today. And so I'll be participating in that a little bit later. But everybody out there, stay tuned. During the Super Bowl, we're going to do a huge uh, Bass of Hope delivery. And we're going to need a significant amount of the volunteers to put the Bass together. And then obviously the, we'll have some guys and individuals deliver them the following day. Send me information on that. I will. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely will because we yeah. want to have at least 600 people. Our, our goal is is to to put together 600 baskets uh, for the community during Super Bowl. Okay, nice. so like, could you bring kids that are 12, yeah, 13, yeah, you can bring anybody and... out that you want to. Um, as far as that, if they can lift a box, if they can lift a book, right, you can help the kids. So I mean, I'll bring my eight year old out there, there you go. and and they'll walk alongside. I mean, I, you know, to your point, it's just a great way to pay it forward and allow your kids to Amen. start serving well now too 
All right. Well, that's pretty good starts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so we're looking ahead to the uh, the three games. I know you're supposed to look one game ahead, but it's kind of hard right now with the Cardinals to not realize their next three games are three divisional games. They're kind of on the ropes. If they don't win against Seattle, they're in real trouble. And then after this, they don't have another divisional game all the way till the end of the season, Week 18 against San Francisco. So this, is, this kind of feels like it here, these three games coming up. Yeah, because of the way they started um – you know, if they come out of this, you know, you know, I mean, they really could go zero and three essentially, and yeah. then you're three and eight. I mean, you're essentially out of it at that yeah. point with all these games. So they have to take care. You know, I'm a player at, at heart. First, it, it starts with Seattle, and so you can talk about the others and the three games <laughs> together, but unless you take care of this one, the next one doesn't matter. Because even I think if you lose to Seattle, I mean, you're putting yourself in a real hard bind, and then you got to figure out how to beat the Niners that are getting a little bit better. Obviously, the Rams are a lot more beatable this year in the way they've been playing. But you got to beat Seattle. And when I look at Seattle and kind of their breakdown, and, you know, I was, I, obviously everybody's, oh, Geno Smith is so great. And you look at some of his numbers, it's like, okay, he's doing okay. The defense is still giving up a lot of uh, yards and stuff. Um, they feel beatable. Yeah, they are beatable. When I'm looking at them, I mean, third down conversions is down at the bottom of the league. Um, one, they're saving grace is that they're turning the ball over and protecting the ball. I think that's what Geno Smith has really been able to do when they run the ball well. But, like, when you look at, like, the stats that matter, red zone, third down, um, penalties, uh, those things, they're at, towards the bottom half, bottom third of the league. And so this is a team that the Cardinals have the ability to beat. And thank goodness that D-Hop is here because he is going to allow them, I, I believe, to win this game because he's he's such a difference maker. Uh, it, it, it's crazy to watch. Even that, that touchdown last week that got him back into it. And my, He's the only one on their team that can make that catch, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a few guys in the league who can yeah, make that catch. I mean, sure. that is just ridiculous of what he's been able to, um, to interject into this offense. Obviously, we still want to see it to grow from here, but it's just they have the ability to do it, but they have to play great sound football. They can't turn the football over, and then they have to score in the red zone because that's an area that the Seattle Seahawks has struggled in. And so if you can get up on them and really make Geno feel like he has to become that guy, I think you can play him out of this bubble or this you know this perception that everybody has on him right now because he is playing significantly better, but it's not like it's, it's, it's not Josh Allen or Mahomes. And, I, and when I hear people talk about him, that's what it feels like. Hold on, hold on. He's getting MVP. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm with he you is, on that he one. is, but that's but to, compared to who though? Yeah, you compare him to old Gino, old Gino, yeah. right? So let's not throw him into this top five category. And we have a year where you have Tom Brady and um, and Aaron Rodgers not playing well, and so you say, oh well, he's better than these guys in the way they're playing. Let's put it in perspective, though. Yeah, let me ask you this question right here: Are you okay with a coach that is actually going to frame up, get in front of the team at a team meeting? Frame it up for grown men. We got a window here of three games in a row. Are you okay if he thinks more big picture and says it starts with Seattle, right. as we all know? Yeah, because yeah. as a player, you know, right. that's what we're thinking. We're, we're not yeah, thinking yeah. about anything but Seattle. But it, to me, I think it's part of what a head coach has got to do. Yeah, Tell I think it's smart. The truth. I think it's smart in teams. And, and if you don't address it, people are kind of thinking about it anyway. Yeah. right? So I think it's good to just get it out there. This is what we got to do, men. And it starts, obviously, like I said, this week. But I want you to understand the big picture. But we got to focus here and understand how important this game is. And yeah. obviously, you always do that. But even within a season, there's micro opportunities to really dive into like a two or three game stretch. And what that means 
means for you moving forward for the rest of your season. You also said it, though, Zoe, if you lose to Seattle... Yeah, you're not mathematically out of it, but come on. Like if it you starts lose to Seattle, you're basically four games behind Seattle and you're 0 3 in the division. Yeah, it starts getting really hard and you start having to, you know, it's each get then your playoffs start, you know, six weeks before they should. Yeah. I mean, like I like I shared that story prior, like we had to win went out six six games, I believe, in order to make the playoffs. And that's a hard thing to do. And then we got the playoffs, we lost the first week because you're so tight yeah. trying to uh uh-uh, we gotta win these games and then you have nothing left when you need it in the playoffs, and so it is essential. That these that the uh, the Cardinals get on track and they have the ability to. It's just you know, and I'm pretty sure we'll talk more about, it, but just a lack of execution. You yeah. know, players not standing. We can talk about Cliff and the plays, and I think there's always room to grow there. But when Kyler, you know, his back foot and he got somebody in his face, I mean, what you what you want him to do? The play don't matter at that point, right? Um, um, and so that's where they have to evolve. You know, even in you know you know Kyler a little bit. You know, when he's throwing the rock, I mean, you throw somebody like the Eno Benjamin play. People talking about that play was open. If he leads him a little bit better, he has some time. He runs and catches maybe and probably falls forward. Yeah. But because of little things like that, right? Uh, is the difference of you executing and not executing when you're playing on the highest level of football. I can't tell you how many uh, times the playoffs started for me when I was a player before Halloween. <laughs> so you made the playoffs. Uh, you probably was playing for your job, and I've been on a lot of those teams too. Three and thirteen. Well, what are you playing for? Pride. Yeah, that's right, your job buddy. next year. Yeah, I'm like, I my God. Right. <laughs> All right. Week nine of Bix Picks is underway. Text pick to six twenty six twenty to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize seventy five inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive. Receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. So text pick to 620-620 to enter. We come back. The lowdown continues. We'll get you caught up on the latest news around the National Football League and get Lorenzo Alexander's thoughts on the trade deadline. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Like this. Lorenzo Alexander, 15-year NFL veteran. And he is going to get sacked. Lorenzo Alexander, the former Cardinal. The Lowdown with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. All right, Lorenzo Alexander is here. It is the Lowdown on a Thursday morning. And uh, looking around some of the news uh, around the National Football League as we head into Week 9 tonight, big Texans-Eagles game tonight. You guys fired up for that one? Um, yeah, as a matter of Yeah, you're always fired football, up. Man. Yeah, he can't help himself. <laughs> he can't help now. himself. I'll be out at uh, flag practice, so no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. That's my, what I'm excited That's, about. You're going yeah, to come football. back from flag practice, and you're going to yeah. sit there and say, oh, you know what, the game's on. Unless it's like 31 to yeah, 3. Yeah, I'll check the score. My son, man, he he always loves watching football, my youngest, so we'll probably, we'll probably watch the end of the game. It's Thursday night. Houston's at home. Maybe they keep it close. They've kept some of these games close. They don't win them, but yeah. they keep them close. You know, I, I once again, I'm fascinated. I want to watch Philadelphia play because, again, are they going to evolve their offense? Because their offense is very, very similar to what the Arizona Cardinals do. Yeah. Uh, even watching it like the week leading up, I told you I was tired of seeing the quick screens. But obviously yeah. they've, they've been more effective. And they've also, I think the biggest difference, they've had their D. Hopkins the whole the whole year. Yeah. A.J. Brown, right? right. They, he's been there. And so they've been able to start fast, build that momentum, and probably 
actually win a couple of games where they shouldn't have because they've had all of their weapons at their disposal. And so that's why I'm so happy that D-Hop is back because this confidence of this offense should start building a little bit more. And hopefully other guys feed off of what Hop has been doing and, and it just builds and builds and builds. And then they can find ways to win games at the end. At the, at the end. I, I just want to ask you quickly, just see Hop, what he said about Cliff Kingsbury in the, in the play calling. Did you see what he actually, Yeah, he said the play calling is great. It's, 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 players got to make plays. What did you think of that? What did you make of that? Well, it's Hop. He getting fed the ball 14 times, so yeah, it's good. I bet if it was the same calls and he was only getting five targets, it wouldn't be as hot, right? So, But that's smart, right? You want to feed your beast and, and allow him to eat and, and, and go about his work. And um, it's really been good to see how he's really helped this offense grow. And so he has to obviously keep that, and they have to keep just evolving overall just to allow their, their team to be more effective. Yeah, you know, for me, too, I kind of like the fact he knows that Cliff is under the gun. He knows that Cliff. If everyone's yeah. all over Cliff about it, right? And he's going to stand up and say, oh, he's great at what he does. Say that it isn't. <laughs> say that it isn't so. Right. right? I mean, and he's got point, an edge. Right. And he has an edge and he has accountability because he had opportunity at the end of the game to make a big catch. Right. You know, ran that dig route and kind of, it was weird for me. I don't know if he saw totally. Pat P flash him. And so he thought somebody was coming. And he was trying to catch and like lean away from the hit. But that's a ball he typically the catches. Catch only missed right. target of the game. And that yeah. would have been huge. And yeah. that was right on it. You know, that was right. That's a ball that he can catch. And so I think in that thing, yeah, it's, it's great. We as players have to make the plays, yes. and that's one of the plays that he could have easily made because of who he is and what he's about. Yep, you're, you're very <laughs> spot on, though. Can't you just see? Hop? Yeah, uh, we have. What's wrong with the play calling? I'm right. hitting the ball 14 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fine to me. Uh, as as far as the trade deadline, this is Marcus Spears Monday talking about the move that Miami made to go all in. This is a young defensive end that has played really good football. Now he has an opportunity to be across from Jalen Phillips. <laughs> A defense really supported by guys on the back end that can play man-to-man coverage. So from a football context, it makes all the sense in the world. And if you are going to position yourself, because we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills in context of this year, if you're going to position yourself for the next five to ten, you better have guys that can absolutely get after the passer. So this was a huge move for Miami, and and it's an impact move based on what they did for Tyreek and bringing in all of these guys this so, so people can debate if Miami gave up too much or whatever, but as just as a player on that team, doesn't that show that your your front office is committed to like we're all in right now? There's no like playing this out, yeah. waiting for draft picks. Like, yeah, they are go. all in. They should be. I mean, the way Tua's playing, that offense is playing. Um, you, you're going to need you need additional help with that because you want to. You never know what next year is going to look like, right? When you're in a position to maybe potentially make a run and be competitive, you know, a la Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, you know, right? 7-0 undefeated, and then this year they're struggling a little bit more. So you have to take advantage of those little windows when they pop open. Guys are hitting. It looks feels right. It feels good. Hey, we just need a little something different. And obviously uh, Chubb brings that as uh, far as a pass rushing ability because nobody can match up with the Chiefs or the Bills man for man. I don't care how good your corners are. All of them are good enough with yeah. all the weapons that guys have. And so where do you find the edge? You have to impact the quarterback, right? And adding a guy like Chubb, a Allows other guys on that on that um, a Miami Dolphins defensive line to then rise up because now they may not be seeing a double. Chubb is going to dictate. Obviously, he's a great talent, and now because you're putting pressure on these guys, you have more of a chance of winning games. 
You know, I honestly think, too, the National Football League is changing right now. There is an emphasis that is being put back on the line of scrimmage defensively and offensively as well. The yeah. offensive linemen and the defensive linemen. So many so many teams now are playing this cover two shell, man. Right. So many teams are, are forcing you to throw the ball, yeah. work your way down the field, the bend but don't break yeah. mentality. That really is what is changing, I think, right now in the NFL. You're getting a lot of zone coverage being played, too. Right. Yeah, and that's what, and that's what we did when I was with Buffalo. That's what Sean McDermott was doing in Carolina back in the day when they were going to Super Bowls and really competitive in the NFC uh, South um, down there with the Panthers. And his was split safety, but it was quarters coverage, right? And his biggest thing was don't give up chunk plays. Because yeah. nine times out of ten, those chunk play drives lead to touchdowns, right? But if most offenses, even you know the best of them, are not going to nickel and dime you outside of maybe Tom Brady, nickel and dime you all the way down the field to score. Somebody's going to drop a ball. Somebody's going to make a mistake. Uh, somebody's going to be able to get a, get a sack and really stop that drive uh, by doing that. But obviously, the big play is always death to any type of defense when you give up those chunk plays. And I think that's why a lot of people are doing that, to keep all these great athletes, keep them in front of us, rally to the ball, and get them down and play that next drive. Uh, also in the NFL, going over to the ownership news in Washington, and it's not like the commanders are sold or that they even necessarily will be sold, but there's been a lot of talk of that. And here's Adam Schefter yesterday. Well, Forbes initially wrote about this this morning. They said there were groups that were interested. And I will just say this, that if you want to sell the Washington commanders, I don't believe that there would be a shortage of buyers if that's the route that you want to go. They're not going to have a hard time coming up with somebody to buy that franchise. And frankly, in an environment like this, the NFL would help facilitate it and want it to happen because of everything that's gone on with that franchise in recent seasons. So that, to me, is not going to be an issue finding a buyer and approving a new owner. That would be rather seamless. The issue is, does he want to sell? How much does he want to sell? And how quickly could a transaction like that be executed? Yeah. So, I mean, you played in Washington. It, that that fan base has been through a lot the last couple years in particular with all this. Then you have a name for a couple years. and just it's, it's been a weird situation, but they can turn it around quickly if they really get a new owner in there. Yeah, I mean, because it's structural. You talk about uh, culture and, and what that means, depending on who the new ownership is, yeah, right? You know, and who that variable. person is. <laughs> right, and they're not going to be vetting the, the person that comes in there for, for character. Um, but I think this is the way it's heading. You know, uh, Snyder for a long time refused to change the name, and I know a gentleman was on his, uh, on earlier with the morning show, and he, I mean, I think he put it great. You know, when you're, when you're receiving economic stress, right, political stress, and then cultural stress or, you know, uh, as far as people trying to say, you need to move on, you need to change the name, after a while it becomes overwhelming. Um, and then you say, man, is this worth everything that I'm doing when I, if I can't really own and enjoy it the way I would like to? And so I can definitely see this happening pretty quickly because, you know, knowing him a little bit and, and Mr. Snyder, he's not doing this just to kind of tease everybody and then switch his mind up. Um, this is something that he's probably going to end up moving forward with. So you think the Broncos, for the most part, I mean, what, what did they sell for? Four point six? Uh, yeah, it was, it was over yeah. four. Yeah. 
billion. So they yeah. have like six for, for, for this organization. I mean, isn't that high? It's crazy. It's crazy. I think crazy. You're talking about a six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six billion dollars. I had a couple of guys like, man, can we buy a team? I was like, oh, I can't afford that, man. I was looking out. I said, man, what's 1% of 1%? I mean, that's still 1.8. It's, it's still it's ridiculous. Still a lot of money, and then you can't even really say you own the yeah. team. Barely. I need 5.9 billion friends yeah, if I'm going right, to do it. So. Right. Uh, on that note right there, too, D, honestly, when you look down the road here, how long do you think it's going to be before you're going to have every team playing one neutral site game, like internationally? How long do you, with that 17th game zone, yeah, think about um, that. Eight home, eight away, and one neutral. I mean, I think it's it's coming. I mean, it, it makes it logistically hard for West Coast teams, especially when you're thinking about London and traveling 12 hours, and so how do you set that up so that there's not a, a competitive disadvantage for those West Coast teams? But um, it, it, whether it's Mexico, right, or one of those other countries, London, or I, I think they're doing one in Germany or something yes. too, right? Yes. They, they probably have to physically, logistically, what makes sense so you're not having a guy from Seattle having to go way over there and then come back. And how does that how does that work? Barcelona. Yeah, too. but I think that's the way it's going, right? It's becoming more of a global game. I had a chance to, to hear Goodell speak uh, at a luncheon last week with the Super Bowl committee and just how much. Uh, internationally, our, our game is growing and people understand it, right? Because traditionally we think, okay, Europe or non-American countries, we think about soccer. But this game is gaining some traction. People are enjoying it, learning it, and understanding it, especially with a lot of the intentionality that uh, the NFL has done with bringing players in from different countries that are playing in it and that like, um, I forgot what type of um, like an internship type of, of, of way, right? So you, oh man, he's from my country. Let me check him out. Yeah. And then also sending people and back over doing clinics and camps with young kids and teaching them about the game. And as they get older, they have an attachment to the American game as well. All right, we come back. Patrick Peterson has had a lot to say about the Cardinals. Is he walking any of it back? He is not. The lowdown continues next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.